and grace and peace family. Welcome this morning to Epiphany Church. Yeah, there we go. There we go. There we go. I know that our uh, reel sounds like a uh, a uh, soap. Uh, what is it? What was those things called in the morning? Soap operas that your grandma used to watch and make you sit down and watch them with the soap opera theme music. <laughs> but hey, listen, we are here today to worship Jesus. Amen. Amen. And so we just worship the Lord in song. Um, and uh, the worship team did an amazing job singing this morning. Let's give them another hand this morning. And so um, now we're going to worship the Lord together in, in the sermon. Okay. Um, and so this moment. Thank you, sweetheart. You're amazing. Um, th- this moment is where we get to uh, commune together around the word of God. And so I'm excited to serve as a vessel this morning uh, for the Lord to speak to us, because uh, he's not just speaking to you, he's speaking to all of us this morning. Um, and so we're, we're really excited uh, to be back together, amen? Um, and so it was 15 long months of <laughs> trying to figure out how to do church online and uh, all the various things that took place and uh, but by God's grace, we made it through. Amen. Uh, and we are still uh, around. And now we're able to gather together uh, together as a church. And we're going to begin to roll that out slowly and try to do that safely. And we ask you to keep your mask on and all those different things. And so uh, we're so glad that you are here, though, to all of you who are watching online. We say welcome to you. Let's shout out the people who are watching online this morning. Amen. Uh, tell them, get here. <laughs> Uh, And so, listen, we're we're so excited again about what God is doing. Happy Father's Day to all the fellas. Yeah, happy Father's Day to all the sirs in here. Um, Demand the big piece of chicken today. Don't settle for anything less than the big piece of chicken. You deserve it. Right along with the socks that you're going to get in the tie. <laughs> but listen, happy Father's Day to, to all the brothers who are fathers and all the men who uh, are father figures uh, and to, to, to young men and to men. And so uh, today is your day. Enjoy it. Uh, and so we are in a series titled Devoted. And so we started this series uh, about a month ago now. Uh, and we have been walking through the book of James together. And so we have been uh, in the book of James. We're taking our time through the book of James. And we're going to be in the book of James for a while. Somebody say a while. A while. Uh, but just not today. <laughs> we are going to be in the book of Matthew today. But we're going to take a look at James's father. We're going to take a look at the life of Joseph this morning. And at times, obscure character in the Bible. But I believe that his life marked some of the character uh, traits that exemplified themselves in the life of James as well as in the life of Jesus. And so I want to help us today uh, in to see what God has to say to us, his people, through his word, as we look uh, not at the book of James, but as the person who was integral in writing the book of James in real life, (laughs) and that was his daddy. And so parenthetically, I want to submit to you fathers today is that you are writing out the pages of a book when you are dealing with your children. You are writing in the pages of a book as you are navigating life with your sons and your daughters. And so be very careful and considerate 
about how you write. And so I want to help us this morning uh, to look at what God has for us. Ladies, don't check out on me today because I've got something for you too. And you ought to be paying attention because you want to know how uh, the man in your life is supposed to treat you and how he's supposed to conduct himself as it relates to the word of God. Amen. So don't check out, ladies. Uh, I'm going to give you a message today t- uh, titled Devoted Fathers. Devoted Fathers. I had a different title, but folks vetoed me and said, Pastor, that title's not going to work. So praise God for a team. Amen. <laughs> so um, we're going to be in the book of Matthew today, chapter 1. Verses 18 through 25. Again, we're in the series called Devoted. This idea of devotion in our culture is a bit of a misnomer, right? And so we, we, we've, been, we've been painting a picture to, to, to help us to see that, long story short, that in our culture we don't value devotion. And anything that at times that, that predicates one being devoted is oftentimes sneered at and frowned upon because devotion is defined as giving all or a large part of one's time and resources to a cause. And so we have to look at this because we've been arguing that at times we're not devoted in our relationships. And one of the things that is critical for us to understand today is how God is calling us to be devoted as it relates to our familial relationships. And so I want to help us this morning. I I, I put on a a suit jacket this morning, a blazer, just to kind of make the point a little bit. Uh, But uh, I'm I'm hot up here, (laughs) FYI. Uh, But I did that to help us to understand this morning uh, the seriousness of what this passage entails for us. And so devotion is, we we have to uphold this because in our culture, it is deteriorating this idea of devotion. This idea of devotion in in, in our culture, it, it doesn't have any power anymore. A person used to consider themselves devoted and, and that was a mark for them. But nowadays, devotion is something that we'd rather read about, or I'm sorry, it's something that we'd rather watch on TV, or I'm sorry, it's something that we'd rather look at on Instagram and then retweet it or repost it and hashtag it as relationship goals. It's something that we would look at and, and, and we would decide that, that that's good for other people, but one day I'll get there, but just not today. Today I'm content with where I am because, you know, after all, I'm young and I got to live my life. But I want to encourage us today that as we look at this passage, it's critical for us to understand that God is calling for us to live devoted lives regardless of where we find ourselves. Is that okay? All right, so let's look at it. Matthew chapter 1, verse 18 today through verse 25. I'll read this for you hearing, and we'll have it here on the screen for you. It says that the birth of Jesus came about this way. After his mother, Mary, had been engaged to Joseph, It was discovered before they came together, meaning that they had not known one another, that she was pregnant from the Holy Spirit. Listen to that. Verse 19, 
after that peculiar phrase, it says that, so her husband, because Shorty must be lying, <laughs> she got to be lying, she capping. Her husband Joseph, being a righteous man and not wanting to disgrace her publicly, decided to divorce her secretly. But after he had considered these things, somebody say after. After he had considered these things, an angel or a messenger of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, saying, Joseph, son of David. That's critical. Do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. Because what has been conceived in her is from Holy Spirit. She will give birth to a son, and you are to name him Jesus. Because he will save his people from their sins. Verse 22 says, now all this took place to fulfill what was spoken by the Lord through the prophet uh, verse 23, it says, see, the virgin will become pregnant and will give birth to a son, and they, they will name him Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Now, after hearing this, Joseph woke up, and he did as the Lord's angel commanded him. He married her, and he did not have sexual relations with her until she gave birth to a son. And they named him Jesus. Pray with me. Father, I pray by your spirit, God, that you would lead us today. God, help us as we are looking into the word of God. Lord, I pray that you would speak to us clearly today. God, I pray that you would use me, God, as a vessel to communicate to your people your truths. And so, Father, it is in that same spirit that I pray, God, that you would stand in my body, think through my mind, and speak through my mouth, and let the words of my mouth, meditations of my heart be acceptable to you. And everybody said, Amen. A young man was sentenced to the penitentiary. The judge had known the young man since his childhood because he was well acquainted with the man's father. The young man's father was a famous legal scholar and the author of an exhaustive study entitled The Law of Trust. So the magistrate, he asked this young man, he says, Son, do, do you remember your father? To which he replied, he says, I remember him very well, Your Honor. And then trying to probe the offender's Conscience, the judge begins to ask, he says, as you stand here about to be sentenced, and as you think about your wonderful dad, what do you remember most clearly about him? And then there was a pause in the courtroom. And then the judge received an answer that he had not expected. The young man replied, he says, I remember that when I used to go to him for advice, he would look up from writing his book and tell me, run along, boy, I'm busy. When I went to him for companionship, he turned me away and say, run along, son, this book will not write itself. 
When he turned to his father for comfort, his father would look up and say, son, not now. This book must be written. And so he says, your honor, you remember him as a great lawyer, but I remember him as a lost friend. The magistrate muttered to himself, he says, alas, finished the book, but lost the boy. And so I want to ask the question of us this morning is what, what are you devoted to? What are you devoted to? Are you devoted to making it in life? Or are you devoted to making a life? See, there is a difference between making it in life and making a life. And this ought to strike each and every one at our core is because there are things in our lives that we are neglecting in our pursuit of making it. There are things that we have neglected. There is a life that we are neglecting to make. There are memories that we are neglecting to make in our pursuit of making it in life. So I want to ask the question, what are you devoted to? And so here in this passage, we see Joseph, the betrothed of Mary, Joseph, who would be the stepfather to Jesus or the surrogate father to Jesus. We see him in this passage receiving word that the woman who he is betrothed to is now pregnant and the baby is not his. Happens all the time, right, in our culture, right? It, it happens, you know what I'm saying? Like, it's like, you know, sure, they got pregnant by somebody else. Like, we was together, but, you know, whatever. Like, it happens. But in that day, this was scandalous. It was a scandalous event in that day. And what happened here is that as the birth of Jesus came about, this woman who was engaged and betrothed to Joseph, found herself in a situation that she didn't have any control over. And so we spend a lot of time talking about how crazy that must have been for Mary, right? Like, Mary finding out she's pregnant, she's like, I didn't do anything to get this way. Like, how in the world did this happen? But I want us to imagine for a moment during the sermon what it was like to be Joseph. Joseph the unsung hero here, is, is in a situation that he could have never anticipated. His shorty is pregnant, and she's acting like some spirit did it. <laughs> I'm like, now, nah, listen, we're going to have to talk. Like, this ain't, this ain't working. You might have to meet my big sister or something like that because she's going to have to talk to you. But Joseph, in this passage, it doesn't give us any clues about how he was feeling, but I need you to use your Holy Ghost imagination, okay? And just imagine that the woman that you are betrothed to is now pregnant, and you had nothing to do with it. So when it looked like Joseph was losing, I want you to see here, and his name means That the Lord added to him. And so even though it looked like he was losing, the Lord was adding to Joseph. 
See, you can live a devoted life because it's not always what it looks like. You can live devoted because it's not as bad as it seems. You can live a devoted life because it's a bonus, watch this, to be connected to Jesus. And that's what's happening with Joseph here. Although his life seems to be falling apart, although his life seems to be in shambles right now, he does not know what he's going to do. The woman who he's getting ready to marry, the one who he is now in a one-year process to prepare everything for her so that she can come into his home and he can take care of her, that woman is now pregnant. And the baby's not his. But... He can still live devoted because he's connected to Jesus. I'm getting ahead of myself, but I want you to see this here, that this Joseph in this passage, he still lived a devoted life because it was a connection that he needed, even though he didn't know it yet. And I want to submit to you is that there is a connection to Jesus that you need. You may not know it right now. You may not even understand it fully right now. But it is it's calling you to live your life in a de devoted manner because of this connection to Jesus. So Joseph here, it tells us, after he found out, he began <laughs> to do some contemplating in his mind. As would I. He's contemplating. What, what, what am I going to do here? And, and Joseph didn't, the passage says that he was a righteous man. So he did not want to disgrace her publicly. Let me pause parenthetically for you and, and submit to you is that some of you are shaming people publicly and it doesn't add up to righteousness. So you got to watch what you put out in the public atmosphere called the Internet. But Joseph, being a righteous man, he didn't want to disgrace her publicly. And this righteousness, this word here is used, is used of, of, of a person's way of thinking, feeling, or acting. And, and it talks about it being conformed to the will of God. And therefore, the, 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 the heart is in the right place. So what this passage is telling us is that although Joseph was facing crazy circumstances, his heart was still in the right place and he wanted to do the right thing. So, so he didn't want to publicly disgrace her. See, you, you, you might be feeling like <laughs> in, in this moment that, that your circumstance is too crazy for you to handle. You might be feeling like in the midst of what you're going through right now that it, that it might be too difficult. It might be too tough. But I want you to understand that you need to have the character that is approved by God. You need to have a way of thinking, feeling, and acting that is conformed to the will of God. That means for you, family, is that just because your circumstances are off, that doesn't mean that you get to act off in a certain way. See, some of us go like, well, if they hadn't said this to me, then I wouldn't have went off. If they hadn't have talked to me like that, then I wouldn't have done this. If you, wasn't, if, if you weren't treating me badly, I wouldn't have cheated on you. 
All the things that people like to say and, and the reasons that they, the ways that they like to abdicate their responsibility. And I want you to see this. Regardless of your circumstance, you still have a responsibility to be conformed to the will of God in your life. And so this, glimpse, this, this here gives us a glimpse into the foreknowledge and care of God the Father. Because here's what you get to see is that God knew the temperament of the man that he needed in order to be the surrogate of the savior. So he's setting it up (laughs) and and, and he's working it out. He knew exactly who was, who needed to be with who in order for this to work out. Because if it had been a different brother, (laughs) it it probably wouldn't have worked out. (laughs) And listen, that, that might've been bad for Mary, but that would have been worse for us. And so Jesus, got, he, he, he needed, to, be, he needed to, to, to come in the manner in which he came. And so God, in his foreknowledge, set it up that this man, Joseph, would be the man. Now listen, no doubt other men were looking at Joseph like he was a sucker. I said that harder than I wanted to say it. <laughs> but they were looking at Joseph like he was soft. See, your words and your actions might look soft to other people, but God might be saying you're a surrogate. Yeah, I I need to help you this morning. See, a a surrogate, we often think about it as like a surrogate mother, somebody who like helps to facilitate a child coming into the world and all that stuff like that, right? But the idea here, surrogate has another meaning. It talks about a judge in charge of probate. Right, Taylor? I'm pointing at Taylor because she's the lawyer. <laughs> probate. Where's Joe at? Joe's the lawyer, too. Pointing at him. And sh- they're in charge of probate, inheritance, and guardianship. Right? So the surrogate, it com- this idea comes from a Latin word, which means to elect as a substitute. And so the world might think you're soft, but... <laughs> God says you're a substitute for somebody. And so Joseph here, his actions could be interpreted by the world in a strange way. But God knew exactly who he needed in order to act as a substitute father for his son when he wrapped on flesh here on the earth. And so here's what I'm going to help us. Our culture is filled with notions that tell us to put ourselves first. Joseph, thinking like most men would think, would say, I'm out of here. Joseph, thinking like most men would think, would say something like, listen, Shorty's on her own now. I can't, I can't help her. I'm going to go ahead and get rid of her, divorce her. But I need you to see this. There is value in being a substitute. See, every year, the NBA is in their playoffs right now, so every year right before the playoffs, the NBA awards a member of the league with the Most Valuable Player Award or the MVP Award. The MVP is often hotly debated. It was debated this year because there were so many guys who played top fiddle on their team 
and they believe that they were the most valuable player in the league, right? So it's often debated. However, there is another award that is given out by the NBA, and this award is rarely ever debated. This award, at times, is oftentimes pretty unanimous who the winner is. And this award is called the Six Man Award. This award is given to the player who comes off the bench, means they're not a starter, right? They're not the person who has the, the, the most amount of talent to play on the starting lineup. But this person comes off the bench and consistently contributes at a high level. And so what I want you to see today is that Joseph was the greatest six man of all time. He understood that he needed to come off of the bench because the spirit had showed up and, in, in a dream and told him, listen, I know that you're freaking out right now because the situation looks bleak. I know that you're, that you're nervous right now because you don't know what to do and, and you're a righteous man and, and you've got to follow the law and the law would indicate that you are to put this woman away, that there will be harsh consequences for her actions if she is indeed pregnant by another man. But in order for you to overlook it, you would have to admit that you were complicit in the act. And so he's now stuck here between a rock and a hard place, and he's trying to figure out what it is that he's going to do. And then the word of God shows up in his life in the form of a messenger and shows him exactly what he's supposed to do. Family, when, the, when your back is against the wall, you better learn how to trust in the word of God. Joseph here, the greatest six man of all time, he comes off the bench. He's like, listen, all right, the angel told me like that I need to step in here and I need to still marry her even though this kid isn't mine. I need to do what I need to do. He, he, he's understanding here that he has to fulfill a role that he didn't anticipate he needed to fulfill. But in fulfilling that role, he would facilitate the Savior of the world accomplishing what he needed to accomplish. And there are some things in your life that God is calling you to do that may not put you at top fiddle, that may not put you at the front of the, of the line for celebration and all those things. In fact, you might live your life in, in obscurity for the rest of your life, but what you do might facilitate the Savior being made known in somebody's life. And so listen, you know you're devoted when you're willing to be a substitute. See, Joseph here, he says that he, Joseph, not wanting, not wanting to publicly disgrace her, he decided to put her away privately. See, one sign of being righteous is that you don't want, is that you don't do what your feelings instruct you to do. One sign of being devoted and righteous is that you don't do and say what your feelings are instructing you to say. Because sometimes your feelings are instructing you to say things that you'll ultimately regret. Sometimes your feelings will instruct you to behave in a certain way that you can't take back. And so in order to be considered righteous, in order to have the sign of righteousness, you understand that you can't always do what your feelings instruct you to do. You might take the light in doing it, <laughs> but ultimately, it will be a mark against you as a righteous, devoted person. 
So he didn't want to disgrace her. Righteous people don't disgrace other people. See, many people in our culture have committed their lives, because this word here for disgrace means to make an example of. And many people in our culture have committed their lives to making an example out of people. You know how it goes. They be like, flex on them, hon. Like, just go ahead and do it. <laughs> they did you wrong. Now it's your time to flex. Like, we, 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 make, we make a point out of making an example of people. If they, if, if they, dis, if they disagree with you, cancel them. If they do you wrong, <laughs> get after them. But that's not what that's not what we're called to family of God. We're we're called to live righteously and righteous folk don't attempt to make an example out of people. This word also means to expose one to disgrace. Listen, we can't go around because people hurt us and then we attempt to hurt them because they hurt us. We can't do that. And so being devoted here in this passage, it means here is that is that what, what Joseph was doing is that he was deciding about how he was going to make his next move. And his next move was to do the categorical thing that was going to be helpful for him, which is to put her away silently. See, people, we, we often overlook the fact that Joseph cared for Mary. We, we think about, like, uh, betrothals and stuff like that as if, like, they had no choice. Like, oh, your mom and dad put you together. There's nothing you can do about it. That's not true. They had a whole engagement period, which, which, which happened when they were young. And so while they were engaged, at any point during that engagement, they can decide that this person is not favorable. And so before they get to the betrothal point, they have a whole period where they can say, nah, I'm good. Either one of them could do it. They'd be like, nah, I don't know. Like, his mustache is a little funny. I'm not, I'm not really with that stash life. I'm not, I don't do it. But at any point, they could decide. But now they're at the point of being betrothed together. And so what that means is, you can cancel an engagement at any point, sort of like y'all engagements, like y'all cancel them, whatever you like, without any repercussions. But once you entered into the betrothal period, it required a decree of divorce in order to annul it. And so by the time you enter into it, you've already considered this person is favorable. I want to I would I want to spend my life with them. And so Joseph is now faced with this complex decision of terminating a relationship that he considered favorable. And the decision is complex because there are rules involved. I already alluded to it. But this type of adultery was to receive harsh punishment. So Joseph, just being righteous, he couldn't just overlook it. Just like God being righteous can't just overlook our sin. And so he can't just overlook it. The law was specific about what was supposed to happen here. I won't get into it, but it's very specific about what should happen. But, but marrying her in spite of the perceived adultery would be for him to admit his own guilt, even though he had none. Thus subjecting himself to harsh punishment under the law as well. And so... He was not the father 
even though he was her husband. And so you can only imagine how crazy Joseph was feeling. You can only imagine how torn he was. And I'm driving on this because I want, us, I, want us to, I want you to see that your feelings as it relates to God's commands, they don't matter. And, and, and I know when I say that, that, that some people, that, that rubs you the wrong way, I get that. But your feelings, <laughs> the, the, they don't matter when it comes to the word of God. When the word of God says love your enemies, he don't care how you feel about it. When the word of God says that you should pray for those who despitefully use you, he doesn't care how you feel. When the word tells us husbands to love our wives like Christ loves the church, it doesn't matter how we feel about her in that moment. We've got to love her. It doesn't matter how you feel. That doesn't mean that your feelings won't indicate for you, like, what's going on, but, but it, 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 it can't be a dictator. You can't allow your feelings to make you do anything. That's why you need to love the word. That's why we scream that around here, that we love the word. When you love the word, you won't violate the word at the expense of your feelings. And so listen to this. He wanted to put her away privately or secretly. That was the compromise for him. Do you get it? Like, he had two options. Subject her to the harsh punishment that was coming to her for getting pregnant outside of their marriage, right? Or he could act like nothing happened and still marry her. Those were the two things he, he was stuck between. And so Joseph makes a compromise. He says, I got it. I'll just divorce her secretly. We, she could just go on with her life. No one will be none the wiser. Although she was getting ready to walk around with a baby in her stomach. I don't know how he was going to do that secretly. But see, here's what happens, and this is what happens with us most of the times, is that we set up compromises in our lives in order to navigate our way out of situations. We start compromising with the word of God and say, well, you know, <laughs> did he really say that you would die if you ate from this tree? It's as old as our, <laughs> as our father <laughs> and mother, Adam and Eve, is as old as them. We start to compromise. Compromise is to, is to settle something with concessions. And, and I, I need you to see this, is that no compromise is necessary when you have the command and promise of God. No compromise is necessary when you have the command and promise of God. See, God does not need any help in putting forth his promises. See, he doesn't, need, he doesn't need you to finagle anything in order to make his promises happen. He doesn't need you to, to work anything out in order for his promises to come true. He doesn't need you to do anything in order for his promises to be fulfilled. He's like, I got that. That's on me. And so here's what happened. 
after Joseph was considering a compromise, it says that he considered these things and an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream, telling him, don't be afraid to take Mary as your wife, because what has been conceived in her is from Holy Spirit. And she'll give birth to a son, and you were to name him Jesus, because he will save his people from their sins. Here, when it says here that after he considered these things, it's talking about his deliberation over these things. But I need you to see this, is that when you're devoted, you don't deliberate with yourself. When you are devoted, you don't deliberate with yourself. See, devotion looks like going to the word of God on a regular basis. Devotion looks like revolving your life around the word and around the spirit of God. And so what we do is in our culture is that that we sort of revolve around this central access and that act that central access that we revolve around is called self. <laughs> we revolve around this axis because that's what we know. That's what's comfortable to us. But there is a central access in your life that you need, and it is called the centrality of Christ in your life. That means that everything in your life is centered on the person and work of Jesus actively working in your life. And so when you're devoted, you don't, you don't, you don't deliberate with yourself. <laughs> you don't ponder by yourself. You take your Bible and you get with some other people who've got their Bible and you say, hey, listen, this thing is heavy on me. What am I to do? And those folk will say, hey, listen, let's go to the word. Let's open it up. You're in a tough spot right now. But I think the, the word has something to say about how you use your tongue. And so that's what we have to consider, family. Is, is, when we, is, is that when we deliberate, we can't deliberate by ourselves. We have to deliberate with the word of God. And so it tells us here that, it, it, that as he considered it, the angel appeared to him. <laughs> the devoted allow the message of the Lord to bring them into the light. That's what that word appeared means. You know, it's where we get our, our name from, epiphany. That's the word there, epiphano. It's, it's where we get our name is that we want, to be little, we want to be little appearances of Jesus. That's what we want to do here. And so the devoted, they allow the message of the Lord to bring them into the light. And Joseph, he was in need of being brought into the light. Joseph was in a bad spot. He was dealing with this. This was heavy on him. And then I, I love the first thing that, 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 that the angel tells him. And it gives you a picture about where Joseph was. It tells him, don't be afraid. Family, you need to know <laughs> that even in your darkest trial, you've got nothing to fear. You've got to know that even in the midst of your worst calamity, you've got nothing to fear. Even in the midst of your most trying time in life, you've got nothing to fear. And here's the reason why you have nothing to fear. Because what is being conceived in her is from the Holy Spirit. 
You've got to know family. And listen, this is what James is teaching us, right? James is instructing us in this way that what is coming into our life, God is using trials in our lives to produce endurance in us and to cause us to be patient so that we can be mature, lacking nothing. So where do you think James got that thought from? He got that thought from watching his daddy walk and hold hands with a boy who he did not give, who, who he did not help to conceive and walk around with him as if he was his own son and facing the ridicule that he was being faced with each and every day as he walked the streets and people began to sneer and snicker at him and begin to doubt what was going on because you know how people do when they hear something about you. They start whispering they start saying stuff behind your back because they think they know what's going on with you when in fact they have no idea what God is actually doing in your life and you've got to be so committed and so devoted enough to the word of God in your life that you don't sway to the left or to the right but you stand on assignment and move forward with what God is calling you to do and that's what we see here with Joseph He's going to stay on assignment for the rest of his life in obscurity. We don't even know how he dies. At one point, we stop hearing about him. But his mark is there. And family, I, I, I wonder, are you more concerned with your name being mentioned or with your mark remaining? See, some of us are so concerned with our name being mentioned that we forget that it's not about our name because what happens here is that he goes on to tell them, he says, listen, don't be afraid because what's conceived in her is conceived from Holy Spirit and she will give birth to a son and you will name him Jesus. It is his name that matters. It is his name that is important. It's not our name that's important. It's the name of Jesus that is important. And when we get that in our hearts, when we get that in our minds, family of God, we will learn how to live devoted. It's not about our name. It's about his name. The reason why I'm spotlighting James's daddy in the middle of a series on the book of James is because I got an inkling that James learned how to endure through trials by watching his father. Yes, Jesus transformed his life when Jesus showed up to him after his resurrection. Yes, he changed his life. And ultimately, Jesus changes your life, too, when he shows up in your life. But there's still some stuff that remains in your life. It's not that you meet Jesus and then you're, you're completely like Jesus. You're still like your daddy. You, you, you still like your mama. And um, like you, you still have their tendencies. You, you still have the, the, the residue of, of, their, of, of their rearing of you on your life. You still handle cert- certain situations the way that your grandmama handled them, even when you don't know it. I love my father. I love my father dearly. My, but my pop wasn't around when I was young. We're great now. We've got a great relationship. But he wasn't around when I was young as much. 
But when I got older and I got around him, I started to realize all the ways I was like him, even though I hadn't even really spent that much time with him. Even though even though I wasn't fully in his presence like that, I was still a lot like him. And, 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 and it baffled me. I'm like, man, how am I still like this cat? And I didn't spend all that time with him. <laughs> there was a mark that was left on me. There were things that I noticed. There were things that I saw. There were things even in his absence that I learned. His absence taught me stuff. Taught me how to behave. And so I'm encouraging us today. I'm encouraging us to wake up. Verse 24 says that when Joseph woke up, he did as the the Lord's angel had commanded him, and he married her. See, this idea, we're called, family, to wake up. See, some of us, the reasons why we don't live devoted is because we're committed to being asleep. We're committed to sleeping on the things that are in our character that are not like Jesus. We just have a tendency to kind of ignore them. I know I got a bad attitude, but, you know, like, I'm just feisty. (laughs) You might be. I know I talk reckless sometimes, but, you know, I I just speak my mind. You might. (laughs) But I want to encourage you, family, don't sleep on the things in your life where God is calling you to wake up. This, this, this idea, as I close, is this. Is that we're, when, when we're being called to wake up, we're being called to rise to the occasion. That's what that word means. To rise up and produce something. To cause something to appear. And so what we learned from Joseph today, the father of James, the surrogate of Jesus, We learned that he rose to the occasion in the midst of extreme difficulty, pain even. And that means for you sometimes, family, is that sometimes your pain won't go away, but God is still calling you to move forward. Some of us got to learn how to move forward even in our pain. And so what we do is we say, I'm hurting. You know, it's too much. But God is still calling us to move through our pain. How do I know that? Jesus experienced the most infinite amount of pain that life could ever put on anyone. It it wasn't the whips. It it, it, it wasn't the, the beating. Although that was extremely painful. But it was the moment on the cross where Jesus, taking on the full weight of our sins, taking on the penalty that we deserved, taking on our sins, would look to his Father and say, My God, my God, why have you forsaken me? 
the most painful moment in history. Jesus pressed forward and endured that for you and for me. And he did that so that we might have access to eternal life and to have our shattered relationship with God mended together again. And so through the pain that Jesus endured, we get to experience in eternity a life without pain. And so family, I want to encourage us today. Learn from Jesus. He's the ultimate model for us of devotion. Learn from him. But don't overlook the influences that he had in his life so that you don't downplay the influence that you can have in someone's life. So I want us to see this as as he continued to, Joseph, as he continued to live under a broken betrothal, he was able to do that because he believed in the word of God. What are you willing to endure because of the word of God? I want to help us see today that God is calling us to endure even when it doesn't feel good. At times, even when it's not right for us to endure, he's calling for us to do it. He says, for if you suffer for doing what is right, what benefit is that to you? And so I want us to to see, family, as I I get us out of here, we're going to pray. Is that God calls the devoted, and, and specifically in this passage, I want you to see three things. Devoted fathers or the devoted have character. Joseph was a man of character. He committed his life to doing what was right. Your personality is what people see. Character is what people, is, is what you exemplify when people aren't looking. So the devoted have character. Next, we see in this passage of devoted are caring. Joseph cared for Mary. In her destitute situation, he cared for her. He cared for the word of God. It mattered to him what God said. He cared. And lastly, the devoted, they're courageous. It tells us that Joseph woke up and he did as the Lord commanded him to do. It took some courage for him to walk in the assignment that God had given to him. And it's going to require courage of you to do the same. And it's my prayer that each and every one of us will learn to be devoted in our character. We would learn to be devoted with care we would learn to be courageous in our devotion. Father, I pray by your spirit that you would lead us and guide us today. 
God, thank you for your grace and mercy that shines on us even in our darkest day. God, we thank you for the fulfillment of the promise that a Savior would come into the world. And because of that, we now have access to eternal life. And anyone who believes on Jesus should not perish, but would have that life. And so, God, I pray, God, that we might take hold of that life, that we might take hold of the life that you have given to us, that you promised for us, and that if we would just believe, that if we would devote our lives to you, God, that everything that you promised would be ours. It's in the matchless name of Jesus Christ that I pray with thanksgiving. Amen. Wow, what an impactful sermon by Pastor Derek. Pastor Derek, thank you so much for your faithfulness and bringing the word once again this Sunday. And thank you all at home for worshiping with us. We're so excited that you were able to do this. And remember, like, subscribe, share, and tell a friend to tell a friend about what God is doing here at Epiphany Church Wilmington. Uh, And also, if you have made a decision to follow Jesus today, click the link in the description Fill out, fill out your information where it's asked, and then someone from here will contact you as soon as possible. If you are looking for a church home, also click the link in the description, fill out your information, and we'll be in contact with you as soon as possible. As soon as possible. And once again, man, we love that you are able to worship with us, and we would love to have you come be a part of what God is doing here at Epiphany Church Wilmington. Uh, and join us next Sunday. Uh, as well as if you could give as well, we would love for you to give by clicking the link in the description, or you could do uh, the, what the screen says do as well. Once again, man, thank you so much. See you next Sunday. God bless you all. Enjoy the rest of your week.